and welcome to the Live Point Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you're inspired by this message. You guys good? God bless you guys. So good to see each and everybody back on Low Sunday, right? It's Low Sunday. It's called that because a lot of reasons, but I like to pick on it because a lot of the people who were here last week aren't here this week. And uh, so the attendance is lower, but it's great. You guys filled up the room, so thank you for being a part of this. I'm going to throw something at you and kind of catch some of you off guard because you're like, oh, we only do that on Easter. But let's, try, let's give it a shot, see if you can beat out 9 o'clock. He is risen. Much better than 9 o'clock, right? Because he's still risen. Everybody knows that, right? He's still risen, right? He's not dead. He's not on the cross. He's not in the grave. He's alive and well and sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, praying for you, believing in you, calling you, using you if you will be used. It's something amazing that we've got to get inside of us. We don't want to leave this place like we came in in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody want to be different than when you came in? That's why I come to church, right? I I love it. I love it. I come to worship with all of my heart. And every time I do that, boom, I'm changed. I'm better. I go attack the week. I mean, I attack it with the fierce urgency of now. I'm not going to let Monday get on top of me. I don't, oh, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I want to go to work tomorrow, right? I want to go to work tomorrow. Somebody's going to hear about Jesus, right? Somebody's going to work, and you're like, don't you work at a church? Somebody's going to hear about Jesus, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's going to be good. We always have a lot of people that stop by, and we get to share about him all day long. Let me just join in with Pastor Gus and, uh, and Jaime and welcoming you to the house for those of you who don't know me, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here. It's incredible what's happened in the last few weeks. Maybe some of you are back from traveling and you walked in and you were like, whoa, this is like different. Yes, it is different. But here's what I want to say about that, just like Pastor Gus was giving you some of the layout. The bathroom situation, it's not ideal. I know that. Be patient, right, because it's temporary. We're expanding. We can only do so much in 12 days, right? We did a lot in 12 days. <laughs> Some of you were involved in that. We did an extraordinary amount in 12 days. Well, there's going to be a lot more that happens. We're working on the bathroom situation. We're working on a cover because it's rainy season and it's hot season. And uh, it's like I, I wish I could give everybody a personal fan that you hung around your neck out there. But, you know, maybe you can, you know, go to Amazon and get one of those. But uh, we're going to try to put some big fans out there. We want to make it as comfortable as possible for you to hang out, to be in community. We know that you might come and you might, oh, the screen's great and the lights are great. But that's not why you stay. You stay because of community. You stay because you understand people love you and they will challenge you and we get better together. That's why... You stay. So these lights can go away. The whole power can drop on this building. But the love of Jesus and the power of Jesus will never, ever go away. It never stops. And that's why we're here. So we'll set the tone today. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to jump over with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 20. I'm going to pick on this, this story just a little bit. And while you're turning there, we're going to be in the back half starting in, in verse 19 in just a minute. But while you're, while you're turning there, anybody ever had a plan that you thought was just dialed in? I mean, you thought you had it, right? And then, and then just everything went haywire, right? That, that happens to me a lot. You know why? Because I get my own stuff involved too much. And that's what happens if we get our own ideas, our own thought process. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. You should have a plan. You should be organized. God is not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. So there's nothing wrong with it. We just need to make sure that our plans line up with God's plans, right? And and I want us to get this right. And maybe some things don't turn out the way that they're supposed to, right? And maybe they do turn out the way they're supposed to. 
And what I do know is that God's plans are perfect, and he has the best plan for our life. He will make known to it. Psalm 16 tells us that he will make known to you the path of life. It's your job to walk that Allah, it's the one, is God who orders our steps, right? You can plan, the Jewish theologians would say that we plan and God laughs, right? So you might plan and you might have an organized calendar, you might have one on the wall, you might have one on your phone, all of that's great, but if you have left God out of that planning, you're in for a pretty rude awakening. You're in for a rude, rude awakening. So we, we know that, that sometimes things just disappoint, that's just the way life is, but God certainly has the best plan. That best plan is that you would abide in him and that he would abide in you and that you would walk out with him, his precepts, his laws, his commandments every single day of every single week. That includes Sunday, but it also includes Friday night. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it includes Friday night, and we want to stay in him and him and us, and it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful process, and I know a lot of you know that here. You know it, you know it, you know it, but you've got to know it here. And you got to know it here, right? Because there is a truth that will set you free. The Bible talks about it. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Even the people that don't go to church know that. They don't know what it means, but they can quote it, right? But that is experiential truth. Experiential truth is that God shows you something. You experience his goodness. You experience his plan and recognize, oh, his plan is better than my plan. I need to get on board with his plans. He doesn't need to get on board with mine. So my prayer has been coming in through this week, God, fill us. Fill us. Fill us, God. Fill us to overflowing, Lord. Fill, fill our church. Fill our community. Fill us as individuals. Fill our, our life groups and connect groups and individual groups. And sometimes you go to the gym with people. Fill that group too, right? Just fill us, Lord. We need you that we would build our life upon you and experience you, your truth in your life. And one of the things that I've been praying for is that he would fill us with Faith. I was just talking to one of our, our elders a minute ago. He just came out and said, you're going to like the message today because we're talking about faith. And, and, and faith is interesting, right? Hebrews 11, it's like the faith chapter, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen or the evidence of not seen. It's like the faith, but, but there's so much more to it. It's not merely just this doctrinal things that we teach, the things that we hold close. It, it, it is that. It is part of that. It's not just certain teachings and not just the fact that God exists, but there is this strong sense inside of us, a strong uh, conviction that there is a plan for our life, that God has a plan. And faith means that sometimes it looks crazy, right? It looks chaotic. And we can sit back and look at the world right now and go, whoa, it looks pretty nuts out there. But God's still in control. He still has his hand on the situation. He's not on vacation. He's not asleep. He's not tired. He's not too bored to get involved. He's always involved. And although the things look crazy, that God's strength and power can interact all the time, and they are. He's holding us together. But even in your, your worst circumstances, when your plans fall all the way apart, when you feel like there's nothing left and I can't make it, he's still there. The promise is true, and it's real. And there's faith that is welling up inside of you, even as I speak, that, that lets us know that there's more than what this world has. Right? There's more. The world has a lot. A lot of shiny stuff, a lot of stuff that comes and goes quickly, right? Expensive stuff, cheap stuff, free stuff. <laughs> you know, you can go to the beach for free. It's amazing. But even then, you eventually have to go home because you don't want to sleep and get like sand crabs, you know, and 
sand fleas and all that stuff, right? So you go home. So that's a temporary, you know, kind of situation that feels good for a moment. It's all. But when we begin to rest in our faith, when our faith begins to grow like it's supposed to, there's a security that comes with it, a security and an understanding that God is faithful and that he takes care of his people. Amen. Anybody experiencing the faithfulness of God in this season over and over and over again? He's faithful. He can't be unfaithful. And so I want us to get that. I want us to hold on to that and, and understand that I, I have needs. You have needs. We all have needs. But bigger than my needs, if I'm honest, right, in my own mind, I would say, in my own mind, are my wants, right? Anybody just craving for water? A lot of you drink water. I have a, my, my daughter only drinks water, right? She drinks a lot of it, and I'm really proud of her. But seldom am I like, I mean, if you put water in front of me to drink it, I probably won't drink one 16-ounce bottle. But you put sweet tea in front of me, I'll put two gallons of that down. You know what I mean? Because there's a want inside of me. That is it. So the needs are actually more important than the wants. But I want to make sure that we don't mistake our wants for our needs in life, which some of us have been guilty of doing. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with a desire for you, Lord. D.L. Moody said this. He said, before we pray that God would fill us, I believe we ought to pray him to empty us. Say, we're... A lot of us, we're full. We're full. What are you full of? We're full. Man, I got, I've, I've seen 27 movies this week, and I've been here, and I've been there, and I got friends, and I got follows, and I got likes, and I got hearts, and I got thumbs up, and I got messages, and people missing, reaching out, and they're following me, and they're listening to me, and I got a platform. And I, pretty, soon, pretty soon, we're just full of ourselves full of ourselves. So some of us need to take a step back and say, God, empty me of me. Empty me of me. Take, the, take this thing out inside of me, this monster that grows, that just wants to run the show all the time. Would you just save me from myself, God, and get after it and fill us, Lord. Fill us. John chapter 20, verse 19. It's a desperate situation for the disciples, even though they had been told what would happen, just like you've been told and I've been told what would happen. And when the plan doesn't go the way we think it is, we're, oh, God, what are we going to do now? You know what I mean? And this is, this is the situation that they were in. They, these guys had, they had given their livelihoods away. I mean, Peter was a pretty good fisherman. That's how he made his living. And he laid down those nets and said, I'm going with you, Jesus. I'm all in. Luke, the doctor, is a, I mean, he probably had a practice where people would come to see him. Go see Dr. Luke, right? The tax collectors, they did well, taking money. There were all kinds of people. They laid this down. These disciples went all in with Jesus, and now Jesus is dead. He's dead. Now, we just celebrate his life, but in this, in this part of the, of the story, he's dead. They, they, they witnessed it. They knew the people. They saw, they saw what had happened. And so I got I to gotta believe that in their humanity, they're shaking. They're shaking because there's some realistic possibilities that they could end up the same if they continue down this path of following Jesus' teaching, right? And we live in this time, in this day and age, when it is becoming increasingly unfriendly to be people of faith in Jesus. That's not very popular, obviously, to hear. And, and it's great. You come in here. We love Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus, right? Raise your hand if you love Jesus, okay? That's great. Not everybody out there loves Jesus. 
right? And if they hate you, he said, know that they hated me first. There's going to be more and more of that as it comes. And so the disciples had almost been arrested with Jesus. Remember in the garden, Peter lops off Malchus's ear, and Jesus said, we don't do it that way, Peter. And, and they take him away. They were, they were right there. There was already a scattering of them, but this is leaving them in a bit of a vulnerable spot. And some of you are in this vulnerable spot right now in life where things just haven't gone the way you thought they would go. And now you're like, well, what now? Well, what now? In difficult situations don't make God any less real or any less faithful, right? Listen to this. This is what he says to him as he breaks in. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind the locked doors, and because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, they locked the doors. Seems like a pretty good idea to me. Jesus was standing there among them, just shows up suddenly. And the first thing he says to him is, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, I'm not going to talk about peace today, just a little bit. We're going to go through an extensive message in a few weeks on peace. But it was something that they needed. In fact, he says it three times in this passage. And Jesus was standing right there before him. Peace be to you. Listen, some of you are absent in peace in your life. But if you have peace in your life, I think it's a reflection of how close you are to him. The more peace that you have in your life, I believe, is a direct result of how close you are to him. The ones, yeah, the ones who are walking close to Jesus doesn't mean they don't have problems. Everybody has problems in his life. In this world, you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. When you experience that, you just walk with him. You go like, ah, it's the experiential truth that God loves me. He's got a plan for me. It's going to be okay. It might not work out just like I thought, but it's going to work out just like he thought. He still has his hand on me. And the closer we are to him, the more peace will dwell inside of us. And as he spoke in verse 20, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. you got to remember, it, it, I, I think sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, of just kind of reading this, the Easter story, and they're like, yeah, he's alive, risen, risen, King Jesus. You know, I was singing that all, all week, last week, and, and, and yes, but if we're not careful, it's, it's just like this celebration for a day. That's why I said he is risen. He is risen. Okay, you're there, right? So that this would just well up inside of us. But now this dead Jesus is now in the room, and he's not dead anymore. And if we, I, I'm not even sure that we can grasp the, the largest portion of that. He's on the scene. And so if you think like the disciples were thinking at this moment, it says that they were filled with joy. I'm sure they were sad before. Some of you have lost family in this last season. It's sad. There was a, there was a grieving process. But Jesus wasn't dead anymore. And they're looking at this hands. And I think there's probably a roller coaster of emotions. You got to think that they're already afraid. We know that. It says they were afraid, so they locked the door. Then Jesus walks the door. They're probably more afraid <laughs> that he just suddenly showed up. Then they're looking at his, his, his wounds, and they're like, Whoa, right? And they're like, you're alive, and the joy comes, and you're just like, you said this would happen, and it happened. So now this wave of trust and faith, I think, begins to hit them, and he says this again. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Wow. They were being sent. They were already sent. He had already sent them out before, but he sent, he's, he's telling us, but I think more importantly, 
because the disciples are dead, by the way. He's sending you. And you're either going to grab that, and you're going to understand this commissioning service today, or you're not. And so, well, what do I do with that? No, God's calling you. They're gone. Peter's gone. He's not coming back to preach in Homestead. It's you. You are the one. And so they're sent with authority to preach, to teach, to, to do miracles, and have the hand of God moving on their life. And then in verse 22, he says something that, and does something that's both strange but necessary. It says, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, he was, he was in tune with their wants. He was in tune with that. But he knew what they needed. Listen to this. More importantly than what they needed, he knew who they needed. He knew that if they were going to do this, if they were going to go out, if they were going to walk, and if they were going to talk, and if they were going to preach, and if they were going to do miracles, and if the community was going to be changed, and if this raging river of the gospel was going to penetrate all the way throughout all of the rest of time, that they would need the power of the Holy Spirit back then. And if you recall back in chapter 14, Jesus was preparing them all along the way. At the beginning of 14, he says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And a little later he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to send one. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look crazy. I'm going to send one, an advocate, a God who walks alongside you. He's going to be with you. And, and, and the world, they can't get it. The world can't get it. They don't understand it. They don't understand what's happening inside of you. It's the Spirit of God that is moving on you, the Holy Spirit. And he lives in you. And later on he will be in you. You and so he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of different doctrinal paths that are sitting in the room today, but just let me get past oh, you're this, or you're that, or you believe this, or let me do let's just go back to what it says again and who said it. Jesus said it, <laughs> He breathed it, <laughs> He sent it. And he's saying it to you today, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't, like, matter. Doctrine is very important. We have strong doctrine here. We stay close to the Word of God. But it is important to read the Word of God like the Word of God says. And he said, receive it. I want to receive the Holy Spirit because Jesus said it. He knew it was necessary for the disciples. He knows it's necessary for me. And he knows it's necessary for you. Now, what that looks like is a whole nother conversation for you. But if we're not careful, we can pass over this quickly again, right? But I know that the disciples needed this type of moment, and we need this type of moment to understand who we need. Again, verse 23 says something a little bit strange. He says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the major positives or benefits of the death of Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins, right? And so what he's telling them, and we begin to create a path forward for people, is that the, what the Bible says is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? So to feel this level, there is a penalty for that sin. The Bible also says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And thank God that he clearly demonstrated his love for us. And while we were sinners, still sinners, Christ 
died for us. And so there is this plan. And if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he did this for you, then you will be saved. That's a path forward that he was beginning to instruct them on as they were going to go out into the world. This is our message. It was their message. The disciples are sent. You are also sent. You are being sent today. And they had to grasp that. They had to understand it. They had to experience it. They just watched a dead man come back to life. He did something that nobody else had done. He came back to life. Now, Jesus brought Lazarus out of the tomb, but, but Jesus came out of the grave out of his own power. Nobody had ever done that before. Nobody had ever done. He, he said it would happen, and it happened. This breaks into a weird conversation. It's a quick conversation. We like to pick on Thomas as doubting Thomas, but Thomas is us. That's why he's in scripture, because he, we struggle with him at times. It says that in 24, that one of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. What a bummer, right? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, he, he was, like, he saw the miracles, right? He was around, and why was he not there? I don't know, but he missed out. And there's... It's a pretty bad feeling when you're in the room and you're the only one who has, experience, has not experienced what everybody else is talking about. You know what I mean? That's a bad, that's not a good feeling. And when you just add to that, that we're talking about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one you laid down your occupation for, the one you went all the way in with, I mean, I'm, I'm going with Jesus, and he misses it? You don't think the other disciples were letting him know that he missed it? It says they told him. <laughs> We've seen the Lord. <laughs> Thomas is like, fantastic. <laughs> I wasn't there. I didn't see it. All I know is he was dead. He was dead, and I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into his side. And we would pick on Thomas and call him Doubting Thomas and Faithless Thomas. But again, it's us, right? Faith is a, is a weird thing, right? The problem isn't that you have no faith. The problem is what is your faith in? All of you have faith. Every single person in this room has faith today. What is your faith in? Better yet, who is your faith in? Right? Maybe it's in your spouse. Maybe it's in your, your connect group. Maybe it's all of, all of that. Mm, I don't know. People are going to let you down. That's what I do know about this. All of you probably walked over when you got out of bed this morning and flipped a little switch and the light came on, right? Anybody's light not come on today, right? If your light did not come on today, you would have been like, what? <laughs> I can't, what's going on? Let me check the breakers. Let me, let me call an electrician. I cannot believe that the lights did not come on because you have put so much faith in electricity, in a current that runs to a light bulb that turns it on. We have faith in a lot of things in life, but we shake when circumstances come our way and wonder if God's still involved in our life. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Well, eight days later, in verse 26, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. He probably wasn't going to miss out again. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them and says again to them, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side and don't be faithless any longer. 
believe. Whew. Can you imagine the weight of being called out like that? See, some of you think that Jesus isn't watching, he isn't listening. Some of you think that he's, like when I say this, he's not in the room anymore. Let me tell you something, Jesus is always in the room. You better wake up. He sees what you're doing, right? He knows where you've been. He's not Santa Claus, but <laughs> there is a list. <laughs> but let me tell you something. He's watching. He knows what you're doing, and he knows the thought process in your head, and he certainly knows the words that come out of you like, well, I'm not going to believe unless... Jesus knew the details about uh, Thomas's inquisition, about his nature of being naturally inquisitive. Of course, I'm going to have some questions because I just know him as dead. And you guys are telling me that he, he's in the room. And something comes over Thomas where he will never, ever be the same again. Something happens to him in 28 that just changes everything. When he says, my Lord and my God. Ooh. I don't know if that hits you like it hit me. You've heard me say a thousand times from, from the pulpit that everybody wants a Savior. But not a lot of people want a Lord. Let me tell you something. You need a Savior and you need a Lord. You need somebody to tell you where to go. You need them to tell you how to walk, how to dress, how to talk, how to sing, how to pray, how to worship, how to act, how to drive, what to drink, what not to drink, who to talk to, what kind of attitude to have. You need all of that. I need it. I can't do it without him. If I am the Lord of my life, we are sunk. I'm done. But with, with Jesus as Lord, everything is possible in my life everything. And that's my re response. And I, I think about that. I'm like, oh man, those, the story's wild. This, this story is wild. And again, I think a lot of times we've just kind of glossed over it. It's like, see, see, he's, he's alive. The cross is empty. The grave is yes, yes. But man, would you think about that for a second? He's alive. He's alive. This skeptical man as some of you are in the room today, like, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. God, God, God knows you're thinking that. <laughs> Somebody told me just a few minutes ago in service, they were, their bike was broken down, and they were on the side of the road, and somebody came up, and he helped him, and he, and he said, God bless you. And he said, I don't believe in God. And he said, I was, like, shaking. You know, I, like, I, I'm ready for that response. I don't know about you. I don't believe in God. Well, I'm glad he believes in you, right? He's, he still believes. He's calling you. He made you. He just wants you to come home. Be ready for those types of responses. They're not going to get less. They're only going to become more. But here's what Jesus says to Thomas as he, as he makes this exclamation, my Lord, my God. Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Thomas was longing for the evidence. Some of you are longing for evidence more than you're longing for relationship. But if you'll get in relationship with him, you'll have all the evidence you need. The resurrection, the belief in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is at the center, at the core of our beliefs. 
Nobody's worshiping dead kings around the world. We're worshiping a live king. Thomas wanted evidence of that, and Jesus says, yeah, it's good for you. I'm glad you believe. Seen, you've, you, you know, okay, but blessed are those who, who haven't seen. There is an approval and there's a blessing from God on the ones who actually have faith. That's you and me. There's a blessing that will come over us if you just say, like, <laughs> I just believe. I just believe. I'm not going to let anybody tell me different. I'm going to study. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to get the word of God inside of me. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship when I don't feel like it. I'm going to worship on the mountains. I'm going to worship in the valley. I'm going to worship in the car. I'm going to get it. I'm going to talk to the Lord. I'm going to experience his truth. I'm going to walk it out every single day. Right? And again, it doesn't mean that nothing crazy is going to happen. There's always something crazy that happens in life. But Alexander McLaren said this, it is no use to say to men, let not your heart be troubled unless you finish the verse by saying believe in God believe also in Christ or Jesus or Jesus Christ don't let your heart be troubled don't just say that oh settle your heart settle down take a deep breath all that's great but let me tell you something I'm going to tell somebody hey settle down take a deep breath we're going to pray God's going to put something in you that the world can't give you and that's the peace of God that's the peace of God Two more verses real quick. It says the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Too many things to record, actually. <laughs> but these, these are written so that you, not them, you would continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah son of God and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name what now the title of the message is called what what you need right but as I said at the beginning there's something greater than your wants in life which sometimes kind of overcome our desire of what we really really need right I need water more than I need sweet tea, right? We need this, right? We need this working in our life. So God knows what we actually want, and he knows what we actually need, but more importantly, he knows who we need. He knows who we need. And if you look at the back half of this verse and you see this, this is exactly that, that by believing in him, you will have life. Everybody in here wants life. Maybe somebody in here is struggling and contemplating ending their life, but the vast majority of you are clinging to it. We will fight for it, and we will fight for abundant life that the Scripture says you can have, but we just go about it all, all weird. We're like, if I could just get that, then I'll be happy. That's abundant life. You don't know. Why are, why are movie stars and very, very rich people offing themselves in record numbers? Because none of that stuff fills. That's why. And so we, we're all after life, an abundant life, and Jesus said, here it is. But how does it happen? It happens by the power of his name, church. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Everything changes at his name. Everything changes at the name of Jesus. And so why are we sitting here not activating it? Would you stand with me in this place?
right where you are, just bow your heads, please. Just sit on this just a minute. understanding the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence in this room. God, it never gets old. Lord, we come in here week in, week out, it never gets old. Never get tired of opening your word. Never get tired of worshiping you. very much aware. He's very much aware of what you need. He, he's heard the doubt. He's heard it. As he told Thomas, quit doubting, start believing. He's heard all the, all the things. He knows the pressures. He knows the, the, the desire for some of you to want to quit. He knows the details of it. You at those details, and he's saying, Reach out, touch me, see the wounds, feel the wounds. They were for you, I did it for you. We change today. That's right where we're at. Can we pray the simple sinner's prayer together? Everybody together, say, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth. You are my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now be the Lord of my life. Run the show. Order my steps. And help me to understand that you are always with me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for, for your forgiveness. My life is in your hands. Do what you want with it. Father, I thank you for, again, your, your grace and your mercy. We receive it again today. We're different. We're leaving different today. We understand who we need is greater than what we need. And certainly he is greater than what we want. So fill us with a deep, deep desire to serve you with everything that's inside of us. Everything thing that's inside of us. We just want you. Just want you. Have your way in our church. Have your way in our city. Prepare the hearts of people as we go out to minister to them, as we invite them to you in this next few days. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. We'll put our hands together for the word of God, church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want more information about LifePoint or want to get in contact with us, 
please visit us at www.lpc.is. Hope you have an awesome week. Grace and peace.